Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 13th of November 2019. I'm your host, Real Joe Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at William Gerald. Go to my Instagram at Real Gerald Quinn. And we are streaming live on my YouTube page, Real Deal Podcast. Certainly happy to be with you on this Wednesday evening. A busy evening as far as the NBA goes. Um, we'll get to the NBA because I have a few few things, just a few things on the NBA. I, I've been pro all in on the NBA season so far. It's been everything I hoped for. And then some Paul George coming back Thursday. So that's even going to make it better. But we're going to begin with the NFL and Colin Kaepernick, who has a scheduled workout in Atlanta on Saturday. Um, you've already heard Eric Reed, to no one's surprise, say, you know, it's a PR stunt by the NFL. Um, Kaepernick, you know, has been out of the league for basically two and a half years. Um, he's been working out, uh, according to him, basically five days a week, five to six days a week. I believe he said five, five days a week, you know, twice, you know, twice a day. Uh, so still maintaining um, his conditioning. He is still, as I fix my world champion, Washington Nationals hat. Listen, I, I could be a, I'm been in D.C. for 15 years. I can be a front runner. Still a San Francisco Giants fan, though. But, you know, championships in D.C. don't come along often. I enjoy it while, you know, when it comes. But, um, you know, Kaepernick's going to have this workout. All 32 teams have been invited to the workout. Who shows up? Who knows who's going to show up? Um, he wanted to do the workout, was originally wanted to be scheduled on Tuesday. The NFL said no. So um, it got pushed back to Saturday. And listen, I won't take it serious unless he gets signed by a team. That's where I'm at right now. Um, I, I, I think I, you know, now I'm not one who wants to put any negative energy into the into the universe who wants to speak negative you know I want Kaepernick to have a job uh playing football. I would love for Kaepernick to be playing football right now. I just don't see it happening. And I think that we have to we have been past the point of no return in regards to Kaepernick ever set, ever stepping on the NFL field with a helmet on. Um sure there are a number of teams that could use Kaepernick. Uh Kaepernick could start for anyone, anyone of, you know, Five, you know, five to six teams in the NFL. There, there are pro- there are more quality quarterbacks in the NFL than you realize. There are a number of young quarterbacks in the NFL, and the quarterback position, you know, is um, is not as uh, the cover is not bare in terms of the quarterback position. But certainly, we know Kaepernick should be in the league, either starting for a team or being a number one, a top backup without question. But um, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, again, I think the NFL, what's going to happen is he's going to do the workout, and then, you know, you're going to have reports in, you know, you know what, he kind of, not as fast as he once was, or, um, you know, his arm strength has kind of went down. You're going to have, you're going to have, you're going to hear those reports, whether they're true or not, those reports will come out, I guarantee you. They'll, they will find reasons to not sign him and try to turn into football-related football related reasons. That's what this is all about. And that's what Eric Reed's talking about. So he hasn't had um, – I don't know when the, what's the last time he had a, uh, worked out with a team. Um, it's been over a year that he's had an actual workout with a, with an actual with a team. But he hasn't been signed. Everything in terms of him not being signed has been on the basis of, of course, the statements he made, taking the knee, and that narrative has has carried on, you know, has you know carried on strong for the better part, you know, since he took a knee. And the NFL knows that people around the country, around the world, blame that particular narrative, allow that narrative to um, to filter within, to filter inside their brain. So the NFL wants to create a narrative of no, this is a football decision, and the only way. The NFL can change that narrative and make it, you know, try to paint it as a football decision is by going and watching him work out or, or having him work out for a number of teams. So the NFL is just trying to, uh, you know, 
along with the Jay-Z, along with partnering partner up with Jay-Z, America is trying to appease, I think trying to, try poorly, is trying to appease African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 again, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. I think, we, you know, I think African-Americans, black people are smart enough to see through the bullshit. But, um, you know, again, those reports will come out. I guarantee you have reports coming out saying that he's lost a step. The arm strength is not quite is not quite there. I guarantee you those reports will absolutely come out without question. And, you know, I, you know, I, I think and I've said this for a while, for a long time now. For a while, Kaepernick's purpose to me goes beyond football. It's beyond football. His purpose, his platform, what he's he is an icon for what he's done off the field. And again, I like the fact that he hasn't come out and publicly and publicly uh, spoken because he's doing it with his action, doing it with his words, I, doing it with his actions. So I, you know, I don't. He doesn't have to speak. He really doesn't. He is doing. He's laying the groundwork. He's out there doing the work. In terms of fighting social social injustices all over the, you know all over this country, so I don't think he needs the NFL. I think you just have a guy who loves football and wants to play. Remember, he's a, he he was a professional football player. There's a reason why he got to the NFL. He got to the NFL because obviously he had the talent, the physical ability, but he also loved the game of football. And I think you know you can easily lose sight of that. Considering uh, what he's done, considering that he's become this, you know, just, you know, larger than life type, you know, figure beyond football to where, you know, his, you know, his, his actions, what he's done, what he, what he did on the football field. And he was a very good player, led the team to a Super Bowl appearance, you know, multiple uh, championship games, but he will never even come close to doing <laughs> What he's done off the field, on the field—that's uh, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, like he, I think, but again, I think you you can easily forget that this guy was once a you know Pro Bowl caliber, uh, franchise caliber quarterback who led a team to a Super Bowl. So, again, we'll see what happens. I again, I won't take it serious unless he gets signed. I'm not up for this window dressing. I'm not fooled by it. I'm not. It, it, I'm not impressed by it. I'm not, you know, tapping my, you know, tapping my hat to, uh, tipping my hat to the NFL. They haven't, they haven't done anything in regards to him. Sign him, okay? Sign him. Put him on a, put him on a franchise. Put him on a team. So uh, until that happens, then you know we can talk when that happens. If it doesn't happen, then you know this is just, you know, a, a PR stunt. This is just the NFL again trying to. You know, pander to uh, African Americans. So, again, it's a scheduled workout in Atlanta on Saturday. We'll see what uh, transpires. As far as Week Ten NFL action um, goes, you had a number of close games, a strange weekend week, um, a strange Sunday to say the least, uh, with. <laughs> With a, with a couple of results, I'm going to be, begin with San Francisco and Seattle. Uh, very, that was probably the best game of the weekend of the week in regards to um, very high level game against again, with two teams with Super Bowl aspirations. Now, I think I don't see Super Bowl, I don't see Seattle as a legit contender, but they'll be dangerous in the playoffs, and they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, they get a, you know, you can kind of see this loss coming. San Francisco, San Francisco being undefeated. Uh, so I wasn't surprised at all that um, Seattle won this game. Uh, again, a great win for Seattle. The Seattle kicker just, you know, not the Seattle kicker, excuse me, the San Francisco kicker who made a big kick to get them into overtime but couldn't finish the deal once they got into overtime. Um, so that was, you know, a blown opportunity for San Francisco from that standpoint. It, you know, it's a win for Green Bay, a win for Minnesota, a win for teams, even New Orleans who lost, the teams that are chasing, that were chasing San Francisco for that home field advantage. And home field advantage will absolutely mean something in the NFC. No question about it. New Orleans 
Green Bay, San Francisco, Seattle. That could be the difference difference between one of those teams going to the Super Bowl. It really like home field advantage is paramount in the uh, NFC. This is without question. Um, I don't. To be honest with you, I don't see any of those teams going on the road and winning a championship game in the other person's building. I don't see Green Bay winning in New Orleans. I don't see New Orleans winning in Green Bay. Uh, I don't see Seattle winning in Green Bay or winning in New Orleans. I don't see Seattle winning uh, in San Francisco. Remember, San Francisco was banged. Uh, San Francisco again. San Francisco was banged up. They had the lost. They had, the tight end was gone. He's an All Pro caliber player. Um, Kittle, they Emmanuel Sanders went down, and um, so they were banged up uh, on the offensive, on you know, offensively. So that was not their healthy, thing, healthy team. But Russell Wilson, you know, did what he did. It wasn't spectacular, but he is right now the front runner to the uh, for the MVP race, which should be a very close MVP race. As all of a sudden Lamar Jackson is you know picking up steam week by week, so. Great win for Seattle. Uh, I'm not going to go too crazy with San Francisco uh, losing that game. Um, they, you know, they're 8-0. They were due for a stinker. And that wasn't even a stinker, but they were going to lose at some point, at some point in the season. Uh, Green Bay handles its business against uh, Carolina, a uh, game that came down to the last play. <coughs> Excuse me, to the last play. play. Uh, Green Bay, you know, <laughs> I'm not completely sold on Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay has done a good job of winning these close games. The problem with Green Bay is, and this is what Mike probably is going to be, it's going to bite them in the postseason. You can run on Green Bay. And I'm not sure if you can make it to a Super Bowl if other teams can run on you. Now, it's a passing league. Everybody can throw on, everybody can throw on anybody. Um, with enough pass attempts, like there are no, you know, you have pass def- you have some defenses that are better, that are clearly better against the pass than others. But for the most part, you can throw on most people. It's a it is a passing league, but you have to be able to me to be a Super Bowl caliber team. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, you have to be able to um, you have to be able to stop the run. You have to be able to stop the run. I, I think you. I think that is an absolute must. Yeah, and I saw that comment. That's yes. Seattle was missing. Was missing Lockett. I'm not making excuses. Seattle. Listen, Seattle deserved to win the game. Uh, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not big on making injury excuses. But I'm, but my point is, I don't think Seattle could beat San Francisco again in San Francisco. I think if Seattle wants to get to the Super Bowl, they need home for the bands. That's my overall point. But again, there's no. There's no excuses for San Francisco. You lost the game. You had your starting quarterback. You had your best defensive players for the most part. You know, there's no excuses. Seattle deserved to win the game. But um, I think that if you – I don't see – this is why I can't take Kansas City serious. If you can't stop the run, I mean, you, you're at another team's mercy. You make average quarterbacks look great if you can't stop the run with the play action. So that's why I can't – again, I can't take the Kansas City Chiefs serious. Like they can't – like Tennessee – Tennessee put 35 points on on Kansas City. Can't take that defense serious. That's not a Super Bowl team with that defense. Mahomes could throw for 400 yards, which he did. He can come back off the injury, play great. They scored 32 points and they lost. Can't take that team serious anymore. And you remember how high I was on Kansas City at the beginning of the year, especially the first after the first after September. But the bottom line is that defense has regressed. That defense has been horrible this year. They even worse than what than what they were last year. With the eye test, I, that, that defense is, is dreadful. That team has no way. As, as great as Mahomes is, and I think Mahomes is the top player in the league, top quarterback, top player in the league, that defense is awful. And that, there's no way that defense is going, is, can make it to a Super Bowl. No way. So you have to be able to me, you have to be able to stop the run. You have to have a quarterback, a franchise caliber quarterback. And – you know what Baltimore is doing right now is it's very interesting because I want to see when teams get a you know some more tape on Lamar Jackson. I want to see you know 
as the year goes along, what teams, how teams go in terms of scheming him. Because right now, nothing, nothing is working. Um, I remember when the Redskins had RG3 in 2012, and this was the only good RG3 year. And Lamar Jackson has more talent than RG3 physically. Now, I think RG3 is a better pure passer than Lamar Jackson. But physically, athletically, I think Lamar Jackson is by, is by far more superior athlete. Now, I'm not going to say he versus Michael Vick. I still think Michael Vick is the best pure athlete at the quarterback position that I've ever seen in terms of running. I still, I, I still will take Michael Vick over Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson has been spectacular. And what Lamar Jackson does is he just opens up your entire running game. You cannot commit to a running back when you have a quarterback that can break a 50 or 60-yard run at any time. And, you know, if, if people down D.C. remember that year, Alfred Morris had a, had, had a big-time year, had his best year in 2012, mainly because of RG3. So teams are going to, you know, Good luck trying to defend that right now. And Baltimore is a dangerous team. Baltimore, I didn't believe it early in the season, but Baltimore absolutely can make a run at the Super Bowl. They have a very good defense. It's not a traditional vintage Baltimore defense, but in today's NFL, it's good enough. It's good enough. They turn you over. They can defend the pass. They're well coached. We know John Harbaugh is a big-time coach. They – and they – um. You know, what they do, again, they are a, they're a physical team. What they do with Lamar Jackson, how they utilize him, you got to tip your hat off to John Harbaugh. Now, I'll continue to say this. And, I, again, I you know if you listen to this podcast, I was not a Lamar Jackson fan coming out of college. I wasn't. I saw him in big games, saw him against Clemson, saw him against a couple of NFL caliber defenses. He did not play well. But. He's a legit MVP candidate without question. He actually is throwing the ball better than I, than I thought he would at this stage in his career. Still, for him to have a long career, you, when you draft a quarterback to be your franchise quarterback, which they did, even though he was second round, they drafted him to be their next quarterback. You want that guy to have a, a 10 plus, a 10 year and beyond career, 10 plus years and beyond. Can he play 10 plus years and beyond in this particular style? I say no. So eventually he's going to have to, de- to develop as a pocket quarterback and be able to beat you with his arm from the pocket. But for right now, he is must-see must TV. He is one of the most dangerous weapons in the NFL without question. And he's giving defensive coordinators nightmares trying to keep up with that guy, trying to gain or game plan for that guy. And again, they you know, the thing about Baltimore versus Washington, they are far superior in terms of the coaching with Baltimore. Like I will take a John Harbaugh over a elderly Mike Shanahan every day of the week and twice on Sunday. At that point, Shanahan was was done. Was done. So we want to blame the culture of, of, of Washington. You can blame a number of things. Bottom line, Shanahan had complete control. Okay, they gave him the keys to the Cadillac and you know, he drove it into the ground. So I have a lot more confidence in John Harbaugh in developing and maintaining Lamar Jackson's health in the future and for a career than I do Shanahan in regards to Shanahan with uh, with RG3. So we'll see what happens. But right now, Baltimore playing as well as anyone, um, as anyone in the league right now. Lamar Jackson is a legit MVP candidate. A uh, big time win for Pittsburgh over over the Rams. Um, I think it says absolutely. It, it says a lot about both teams. Number one, listen, I, Mike Tomlin. I don't agree with everything, everything Mike Tomlin does. Uh, goes for two sometimes. Sometimes his situational coaching can be horrible. Um, but you can't deny his record. The man, listen, Mike Tomlin is a top coach in this league. Um, and this year he's probably done his best coaching job. That team was at one and four, was looking at a four and 12, three and 13 written all over it. Now, the AFC, as we know, is not very good. We know the AFC is a joke. Um, but that team is playing hard. 
That team defensively, they playing, they're playing great. Mick and Fitzpatrick, uh, one of the best in-season trades in recent memory. Uh, with the way he's played, he's been, he's going to be on the All-Pro team without question. If he at this, if he keeps up this pace and and in contention for Defensive Player of the Year, that's how well he's playing. He's been dominant um, out of Alabama, of course, and they've gotten enough out of Mason Rudolph to where they haven't completely put everything in his hands. He's, you know, listen, just manage the game, don't turn over the football. That's his job. Just manage the game and don't turn over the football. So Pittsburgh is going is in right now is, you know, it would be in the playoffs, which if I told you this, you know, again, a month ago, you would have laughed at me. But that, again, I, I I don't agree with every everything Tomlin has done, situation coach, situational coaching wise, but you can't deny that he is a big time coach and will be a Hall of Fame coach in the future, without question. And has has done probably his best uh, coaching job. Great, great win for Minnesota over Dallas, uh, 28-24. This was a very highly high-level football game for the most part. Um, Minnesota again gave you. I mean, they didn't give you the blueprint. We know what the blueprint is in playing against Dallas. You want to, you're gonna dare Dak Prescott to beat you, and try to and take Ezekiel Elliott out. That is what you're gonna do with Dallas. Pure and simple. And you know what? Dak almost beat him. But the problem with Dallas is everybody talks about Dak Prescott and the offense. The problem with, the problem with Dallas is they're not very good defensively. I mean, you can move the ball. You can score points on Dallas. <laughs> like that, that, you know, you can do it. I mean, Dalvin Cook was running all, did whatever he wanted against Dallas. Aaron Jones, look at what Aaron Jones did to Dallas. You, Dallas defensively is not very good at all. I mean, the Giants, I mean, move the ball against Dallas at, at certain points. But, you know, Giants are who the Giants are. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot with just um, with just horrible coaching and and just inept, you know, inept play calling. But uh, you can move the ball on Dallas. That defense is not very good. Um, I think Dallas has a ceiling. Dallas probably will make the playoffs. I say probably. Hmm. All right, I have a feeling it's going to come again that Dallas, the NFC East is going to come down to, uh, it's going to come down to that game in Philly. When they play Philadelphia in, at, you know, at Lincoln Financial, that's going to decide, that, that game will decide which one, of those, which one of those teams makes the playoffs. And only one team, the NFC is so loaded with quality teams, only one team is coming out the NFC East. But again, I, Dallas' defense is just not very good. It's not. So I, Everybody talks about Dak and, you know, Amari Cooper and Jason Witten and whatever. The offense can score. We know the offense can score. Um, sometimes they get in the way in terms of the play calling uh, with, with Jason Garrett. But that, def- to me, defensively is their, is their problem. Uh, the, the, uh, the Saints put up a stinker. Again, every team, you have to give every team in the NFL at least one of these. We saw Green Bay last week against San Diego losing 26-11 to a Charger team that we know is erratic, talented, but erratic. Um, the Saints, keep in mind about, keep in mind about this, about the Saints with, uh, when they play Atlanta. First of all, Atlanta has underachieved all season long. There's no way in the world that Atlanta should only have two wins. There's zero, there's no way. No way. I, Dan Quinn, I would fire Dan Quinn today. There's no way in the world that team, with the talent that they have on that roster, there's no way that team should not be contending for a playoff spot. But that New Orleans-Atlanta rivalry is real. That is a nasty rivalry. That is as those two teams and franchises and fan bases hate each other. I mean, it is on right there with Pittsburgh, Baltimore, right there with, you know, Dallas, Washington, as far as hatred. That rivalry is a real rivalry. Okay, that is a real rivalry. So I was shocked by the the out by the score, but not shocked that Atlanta won the game. Now I would not pick Atlanta to win the game, but Atlanta, listen, Atlanta has talent. Like Julio Jones is still an All Pro caliber receiver. Matt Ryan can still play. Is still a big time quarterback. They have pass rushers. They still have a that that you look at that roster. That is not a two and seven roster. 
Now, again, I think that Dan, I don't think they ever recovered from the Super Bowl loss. Dan Quinn, we, we've been through that a million times with his play calling in the second half of the game, which cost him a, cost him a championship. But um, that team is, <laughs> that team, I would not want to play that team if you're trying to make the playoffs in December. That is the type of team that can knock you out of the playoff hunt if you if you are, you know, fighting for you know uh, uh, fighting for a wild card or challenging or you're in a situation situation like Dallas and the Eagles where you know if you don't get the wild if you don't win in your division you're not getting in. I would not would not want to play that team. That is a that is a that is a real team who just doesn't believe in their coach anymore who's coach sometimes it happens listen sometimes good coaches sometimes players get to a point to where they they tune out their coaches i don't care how much success they've had you know we saw it with gruden when he won a super bowl with Tampa Bay. eventually players you know his time was up it happens it can happen quickly in the nfl it can happen quickly in the nfl even more so than than, than other sports to where a coach is, a coach can wear it thin with their players. So overall, I think decent week of NFL football. Um, they're gonna have a triple header in December. So uh, they'll first time will be the first time in recent memory that they've had a triple triple header on a Saturday. They're gonna have that in December. So that that came out this week. Um, think about the Rams a little bit. The Rams are the Rams. They are in major trouble, not only for making the playoffs this year, but just their future in general. The Rams have money, have the majority of their money tied in basically into five players. You have Golf, Gurley, the Aaron Donald, um, and uh, well, four players, and um, they're going to pay Jared, Jared uh, Jalen Ramsey. So that team, you know. That team's prospects, they had, like last year actually might have been their window to win a Super Bowl because they, I mean, listen, they're not going to be able to rebuild that offensive line if you're paying, you know, you're paying Aaron Donald $25 million. You're paying, you know, golf, what? Golf is going to be at, what, like 30? You know, Gurley's the, what, the second highest paid running back behind Ezekiel Elliott. And you think about this, Gurley could be done. Gurley might be finished. You might have a, a a case in Jared Goff where he is a system quarterback, where he can't lift up a team if they don't have a great running game and an above-average offensive line. Now, Aaron Donald, you absolutely have to pay him. He's the most dominant defensive player in the league. He's a guy that impacts the game on every play. So that, I had no problem with that contract. But you're looking at these other contracts, like – I would really have to they, I mean now they're probably gonna have to give Jalen Ramsey the money based on um I don't know. I don't I don't know. I, I don't even I they need to be they need to rebuild that offensive line. I don't even know if I would pay Jalen Ramsey. To be honest with you. I and I I think Jalen Ramsey, Florida State man guy, I think Jalen Ramsey's a legit top cornerback. I make it the case he's the best cornerback in the league from a talent standpoint. He's a legit top three, top five cornerback, cornerback without question. But they financially, they're going to be strapped in trying to replenish that roster. And then you, you know, gave up a first round pick for next year. So um, it's going to be interesting seeing where uh, they move, how they move forward um, with that franchise. Again, last year, this time last year, it looked like that team was going to be the team of the future. Had everything in pay, in in place to make a run, but they really have not recovered. Right, that Todd Gurley injury is is has been has destroyed their offense. I mean that that offense is not the same. And I you know everybody wants to attribute it to the league catching up with Todd and with uh, Sean McVay, maybe a little bit, but he doesn't doesn't have the horses. That offensive line is not very good. That is a average offensive line, and maybe even mediocre at best this year and Todd Gurley is a shell of what he once was he's not like Todd Gurley uh, he may never be the same player again this is a guy who lot who you know a year ago or two years ago was considered maybe one of the best maybe the best non-quarterback in football I mean he was uh, he was in that conversation 
And right now, like he looks like he looks done. He looks he looks like he is about it's, you know a rat for him. At he's still young. I mean, Gurley's not. But it was Gurley twenty seven. If that, it might be 26, 26, 27. Gurley's not old at all. Gurley still should have three to four years of where, you know, where he, where he was performing at an MVP caliber, offensive player of the year caliber uh, level. But he looks finished. A couple of things in NCAA that really, you know, annoyed me uh, to no end. And even though the college basketball season has, you know, has gotten started. I really haven't gotten into it as much with the college basketball. It's tough with the NFL, especially coming off what the Nationals did with the baseball. But, you know, you know December comes around, January, particularly January comes around, you know, be all in as far as college basketball. But you have a situation where you had two future number one draft picks or will be near number one draft picks get suspended in their respective sports. You had James Wiseman from Memphis, from Memphis, and from uh, Ohio State, of course, Chase Young. Now, Chase Young is eligible to play the last two games of the season, Penn State, Michigan, and against Penn State and Michigan. Wiseman was uh, was uh, is still eligible based on this emergency temporary restraining order that uh, Memphis that Memphis uh, sent for not sent for but filed. So he's eligible for now. He can be suspended at any moment. Uh, Wiseman for, of course, taking money from Penny Hardaway in terms of moving expenses. And Chase Young for borrowing money uh, in order to in order to fly his girlfriend out to the Rose Bowl a couple years back. He paid now and Chase Young paid the money back. And and amazingly still was suspended. But um again, I when 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 I hear cases like this, and I don't, you know, I immediately just don't give a damn about the rules. Um, the NCA, you know, you know, obviously is one of the biggest hypocrisy hypocrisies in society. They have been forever, for a long time, forever. In particular, when it comes to sports of dominated by African Americans in regards to football and basketball. When's the last time you heard a baseball player ruled an outfield for taking money, or a tennis player, or a soccer player? All those, so all those sports are clean. They are just all those sports are squeaky clean. Track. None of those sports are taken. None of those sports are, you know, they're just running these straight out general programs. NCAA has predominantly has gone consistently going after football and basketball. And the you know, think about the NCAA. Number one. We know how we know they use and abuse these student athletes, and I, you know, I say that you know, jokingly, um, but to make themselves out to be this holier than follow all the rules and we're going to like make it seem like, you know, you know, make them, make them ourselves out to see, out to be like they are just going out of their way to hold, uh, hold these athletes accountable is, it's, it's comical, it's comical. And you know, at certain at some point, hopefully in the near future, something is going to blow up this system to where, especially in, and it's coming in basketball because they, see basketball basketball football is more dependent because guys actually have to go to college to play in the NFL. It's coming. It will it, that system is about to get destroyed in basketball because the guys these guys are gonna, not going to even need to go to college. They can go they can go straight. Either two things. They're going to go straight to the NBA, which should be they should be eligible another two years or so with high school going directly from high school to pro, or they're going to go play overseas. Football doesn't have that luxury. Guys have to go to college to play football. So the NCAA can hold that. But regardless, these players are used, um, have been used, and, you know, when I see situations like this when, you know, Suspending a, a student, suspending a guy for borrowing money to pay for his girlfriend to give to go to a game. Like, okay, we so what's the problem? Someone gives you like if someone's willing to give you money and you pay it back, which he did. I don't see what the problem is. I generally don't see what the problem is. Or even in the case of Penny Hardaway. Um, Penny Hardaway is a was a booster.
He donated over a million dollars to Memphis. He has brought excitement back to that and relevance back to that program. And he, you know, it's not like he got that job because he was Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway was out there coaching AAU teams. He's coaching high school. He's put in the work, putting in a lot of work. Now his name doesn't hurt, and his he he has strong ties to that city. We know we know that he's from Memphis, played at Memphis, was a legend there. Of course, you know we know his we know what he did in the NBA, uh, you know with Orlando and, and what have you. But Penny's not like you know their guys have gotten their guys have been college basketball coaches because their name name only. Clyde Drexler was one, and he was horrible. He's, he got became a coach because he was Clyde Drexler, not because he wanted to coach he just it was just a, a hobby and it, it ended badly penny hardaway has brought like he's made that program viable again viable again and that program and, I, and i'll tell you what don't think this is not brushed back for the fact that penny hardaway has landed the number one recruiting class in the country don't think you have don't think it's, it's not a lot of hate going on from that standpoint from other schools beating out Kentucky to get Wiseman. Again, he helped out with the with Wiseman's moving expenses. Again, I find nothing wrong with that. I, I don't. I just don't. This is, I mean, again, you want to say, well, what are you talking about? It's unfair if other coaches aren't willing to do it. Then you know what? They won't get the best players. If you want to, if you want to get the best players, Pay for it. Pay is this is see. Here's the thing. I have a mindset. Forget about this student athlete bullshit. It doesn't exist. This is a billion dollar business. Okay, hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars are involved in regards to the NCAA. This is business, and this is why like this system needs to be just completely destroyed. Because if I'm a James Wiseman. I should get paid. I should get paid or compensated at Memphis. If I'm a Chase Young, I'm putting my body on the line. I may my career might be over tomorrow with a you know I, I could blow my knee out. I should be compensated. Or you know what? You should. I if I want to get somebody, if somebody is willing to give me money to fly my girlfriend out, so be it. You want to say a star treatment? Cool. That's the real world. Talent gets treated well. It happens in all walks of life. If you are exceed, if you are exceptional at something, at something in any profession, you're gonna get treated better than most. I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. So again, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but um, I I just want the NCAA, I just want college basketball, college football, to be treated like a business. And for the main commodities to be compensated. That's all. Or at least let's let's just throw out this rule book as far as AAU, as far as recruiting. Let's can we just throw that out the window? If you don't want to pay the athletes, cool. If you don't want to pay them as far as giving them compensation, but let's forget about all these rules about boosters and and loans and all that. You know, forget about it. Everybody has boosters. All these colleges have resources. Some have more than others. The bottom line is most of these players are are leaving to go either are only staying a year anyway. And soon they're not going to be staying. Soon they're going to be going straight to the NBA. So, again, I I, I, I detest the NCAA. I really do. I, I absolutely detest the NCAA. I don't... Don't give me that education equals a quality education equals conversation bullshit. Please save it for somebody else. Save it. Say, I I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Because, again, it's okay for it's okay for a soccer player who's 14 years old or 15 years old to get played, to get paid and go pro. Okay for a tennis player to get compensated at a young age. But when it comes to an African-American football basketball player who gets compensated, then rules are broken. Save it for somebody else. Like, please. 
as far as the NBA goes, um, again, I'm all in on the NBA this year, uh, right now. Um, a lot of great, a lot of exciting games. It's not a night where there's there isn't a quality game or a great performance. Um, it's not a coincidence that the Boston Celtics are eight and one, and they had they played they played the Wizards tonight, so soon to be soon to be nine and one, and the Brooklyn Nets are four and six. It's not a coincidence. And if you don't if you don't realize how important chemistry and culture is, then you just don't understand sports. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, Lakers will be playing tonight. Um, Kyrie Irving, I will never doubt Kyrie Irving's talent. Kyrie Irving, for as a, as a point guard, offensively, there's nothing Kyrie Irving can't do. Nothing. But I have a small eye, even in, even with a small sampling. I don't like what I see. I, I don't like what I see in his short term, in his, in his time with Brooklyn. He's taking too many shots. They have more talent. That team should not be under 500 in the Eastern Conference. That team has a nice roster. Dinwiddie, Levert, Allen, Joe Harris. A team, you know, a team should not be under 500 in the Eastern Conference. There's no way. No way. Boston lost Al Horford and Aaron Baines. Think about that. Now, Gordon Hayward, for his recent injury, which we hope is not that serious and he can get back as, you know, as soon as possible, Gordon Hayward seemingly was returning to looking like all-star Gordon Hayward. Tatum and Jalen Brown just look happier. Jalen Brown's played well. Tatum hasn't shot the ball well, but he's still he has his play has impacted. He's you know his points, his his numbers have impacted, have had a stronger impact on winning. Again, they look those guys, they just the team looks happy. <laughs> There's and again, I it's hard to say addition by subtraction when you lose an all NBA caliber player, a guy who Made the game winning shot in game seven of the NBA Finals, but it's addition by subtraction. I mean, Kyrie and Kemba, Kemba comes in, fits like a glove. Even he got off to a slow start this year, but you know, he's picked it up. About uh, Kemba's about 25 and five right now, somewhere in that range. And I just see a happy Boston team right now. And that team was not happy last year. And one of the main reasons why they weren't happy was one, Kyrie Irving. Now, I'm not saying Brooklyn isn't happy, but uh, that team should not be under 500 in the Eastern Conference. The bottom half, the Eastern Conference is about seven, six or seven deep in terms of good, good teams, high quality teams. Once you get past Indiana. The pickings are slim. Matter of fact, there are teams right now who would who would make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference who are under 500. Versus the West, where you have a legit 10 quality teams in the Western Conference. I mean, I watched Brooklyn versus Phoenix on Sunday. Phoenix, they got smoked in that game. There's no, there's no, and mind you, I like Phoenix a lot this year. Phoenix is an improved. Uh, Baines, Baines has definitely added some you know nastiness to their team. They have some guys who, you know, Ubre, Baines, those guys are, are guys who have something to prove. Those guys, uh, you know, have something to prove. They, Booker has stepped up his game. And Monty Williams has established a culture of where you are going to defend. You're, you're absolutely going to defend. So I like I like what Phoenix has done. Tyler Johnson. I, I like the makeup of their team. I, they will challenge for an eighth seed in the Western Conference without question. Portland's underachieved this year. I don't like what I'm seeing out of Portland right now. They should be much better. Yeah, I forgot, and I forgot about him. I forgot about him. Yeah, he was. I absolutely forgot about him. He was playing well. Dighton from uh, uh, from Arizona. And he actually he was playing. He's a double double. That guy. Yeah. 
And think about it. Imagine when he gets back. I actually forgot about him. That's how well they're playing. That, that I forgot him. Forgot about him. That he was out with the uh, suspension. He'll be back. He should be back in a couple weeks. Um, Portland should be better. Uh, we'll see. You know, they're going to make this trade with Whiteside. That that's that will be. You know, that's kind of like their ace in the hole for uh, come trade deadline. But they, they Portland should not be last. Long. I thought they would think they're like four and seven. There's no way that team should be under 500 with the talent that they have. Um, only the Knicks could say that they're laying the groundwork to fire a coach. What is it? We're laying the we're laying the groundwork, or it's being reported that they're laying the groundwork to fire their coach. Which absolutely, which you probably would have to. You would be doing him a favor. Like, if Fizdale's like, please, you want to pay me to not deal with this franchise, please. That team, that job has gotten to a point to where if I'm an up-and-coming coach, even if I'm and I get, they're only, those these jobs, these head coaching jobs in professional sports are special jobs because they're only 32 in the NFL. There are only 30 of them in in, in uh, the NBA. But, but I'm telling you right now, there's no way – with that ownership, with that culture, with that front office, there's no way you can you can win with that franchise. There's no way. I would just weigh it out if I were up and coming coaches. I would not take that job to save my life. You have to you have to actually give me part ownership and complete power, like general manager power. Uh, I'm making I'm making I'm drafting players. That's the only way that I would even take that job. That's the only way. That job is one of the worst jobs in sports right now. It really is. It is a horrible job for what once, what once was a proud, a proud franchise that has not been relevant in over 20 years. So there's no way that uh, I will take that job. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not the biggest David Fisdale fan. I, he's, he's okay. But it's, I mean, it's not, you know, it's, and some guys are assistant coaches. I mean, he might be one of those guys that's just a, that he's an assistant coach. But again, the Knicks will make you look like you didn't, you don't belong in a professional sport coach. You don't, the Knicks will make you make it seem like you don't belong coaching uh, bitty ball. It will make you look bad in a heartbeat. So again, uh, Fizdale could be done in the next week or so, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Knicks and, and they they don't care about in terms of buying out his contract. They print their own money at Madison Square Garden. They make so much. They I mean they could literally print their own money. As far as the college football goes, um, that was an absolute classic in um, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I give again. I'm not surprised by not in the least bit surprised by LSU's performance. LSU has been from start. To finish the best football, uh, the best team in college football this year, they deserve to be number one. Uh, as um, Tua was hurt, there's no question about it. But he played, so you know there's no excuses. I think it took him a half. I think it took him a half to get into the game to kind of get under his sea legs, and he had a big second half. But you know, too little, too late. Uh, Alabama's defense had no answers, and there's no defense in the country that has any answers for that offense or what LSU can do. Burrow's going to win the Heisman. They have pros up and down the board as far as the receivers. And, you know, they are the odds-on favorite to win it all. Now, they can be beat in, in, a, in a playoff game with the right matchup. So they're, I mean, they're not unbeatable by any stretch of imagination. I mean, they could lose the Georgia and the SEC championship. But um, that team is, uh, you know, LSU, that team is a – they have a big-time – they are they are a big-time team. I would calm down on the Alabama demise. I've been mean, hearing a lot of that – with Alabama, now all of a sudden Alabama is on a you know is on a decline. Like calm down. Their last two losses have been the two teams that will that could possibly be national champions. They lost to Clemson, which hasn't lost it since in forever, and LSU could win a championship this year. So I think Alabama still has an opportunity to be a one-loss team to, to get to the playoffs. Uh, right now they are you see they're fifth behind Georgia. Um, two teams are coming out the SEC. That's all there is to it. Now, for me, LSU is going to be a combination of LSU, Alabama, or LSU, Georgia. Two teams are coming out the SEC. So, we're going to have – there are three spots to me that are locked down. Clemson is a, is a lock. They're not losing for the rest of the way. 
uh, moving forward, and um, and they're gonna go undefeated. And two two of the SEC teams are locks to make it to me, in my opinion, to make it to the playoffs. So this really leaves you with with one spot, which could go to Ohio State, possibly, maybe you know, maybe an Oregon, maybe a maybe a Penn State, um, maybe I'm leaving out Utah, possibly. Team, a team like that, Oklahoma, outside chance. But um, I, I think the playoffs. I mean, again, I I, I, I think there. I know there are at least three. There to me, there are three positions, three spots that are going to be locked down in regards to the playoffs. In my opinion, with Clemson and at least and I think two of the SEC SEC teams. So again, very early. It's still early in terms of you know giving out scenarios and uh, how, you know, this and that team and comparing resumes, you still, we're not even at, we're still, what, two weeks away from Thanksgiving. We're we're still two weeks away from Thanksgiving. So there's still a lot of football that you've played, you know, Michigan, Penn State, no, not Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. You have the Iron Bowl, Alabama, Auburn. Auburn, Georgia is, is this weekend, you know, SEC championship. There's still a number of, uh, of games that have to be played before we start, you know, trying to fill up fill up those spots. I always believe there's an overreaction to these, to these rankings before Thanksgiving. So we'll see what happens with that. But, again, LSU, was that was a virtuoso performance by LSU. Give Alabama credit because they looked like they were about to get their doors, doors blown off. But, uh, you know, LSU was due, was more than due to beat Alabama. It hadn't beat them since, since 2011. And they finally, finally, welcome to the 21st century, LSU, as far as the passing offense goes. They finally got their quarterback. He's going to win a Heisman, and they are on their way to possibly winning a national championship. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. As always, you can catch me on uh, my YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast. This podcast, of course, will be uh, available via Stitcher, Block Talk Radio, iTunes, uh, Apple.iTunes, and a number of other various platforms um, around. So you can find me anywhere. I uh, pre- appreciate the listens, appreciate the views. I'm out.